Alright, Rabotai, Beruchim Abayim, welcome. Tehillim, it's Wednesday, the Shi'urim, I'll study the Eidun Nishmat, the Tzadeket, Lili Le'ah, Bat Verjanem, this is Lili Medda, Ba'ali HaShalom. Her yurt site is coming up, and we started a year ago to study the chapters of Tehillim on Wednesdays, the Eidun Nishmata. So we're learning today, Tehillim chapter 26. David Shoftini Adonai ki ani bitumi halachti Ubadonai batahti lo imad. So this chapter over here, which is Perek Chavav, David Amelik is asking for God to protect him because uh, he has uh, he has earned he has earned it through his righteousness. So David, this is the song of David. I'm reading the Malbim. This chapter over here, actually, we could call it the chapter of um, the Tzivu'im. So we are those people that are two-faced. Two-faced people is that externally they do ma'asim that are, that are good, but internally they're corrupt. It's like the Gemara says, Osim ma'ase zimri mevakshim sachar kepinehas. They do uh, actions like zimri, which is arayot, terrible things. And then they want reward like pinehas. So David Amelik says, I'm not part of these people. I'm not part of these two-faced people that, you know, outwardly they act pious and then inwardly they corrupt. So the malbim's lashon is betfilah zu yaskid ki eno mikatat sivu'im. So we the two-faced people. Hamileim ra' basetir. You know, private, they're filled with evil. But in, uh, in public, they know how to play the game. He says, He says, uh, What you see on the outside is what you have on the inside as well. I'm clean. So he's praying that. He shouldn't get the same result that the Hanifim are going to get. Uh, the Hanifim are going to get a big punishment, as he's going to say. He says, I don't deserve that, uh, that punishment. Therefore he says, Shoftani Hashem, judge me Hashem, ki ani bitumi halachti. Bitumi means inside as well. Therefore I should not fall because I put my faith in God. Behaneni Hashem Venaseni. That's one of the main pesukim of this uh, chapter over here. David Melech tells God, "Test me. I'll show you that I'm loyal to you." Behaneni Hashem Venaseni. Sorfach in Yotai Velibi. So the Gemara on this pasuk over here, which we're going to stop on now. The Gemara has a big talk on this. It's Gemara Sanhedrin. So let's read the uh, let's read the Gemara together. The Gemara Sanhedrin. Just want to know the page. It is Daf Kuf Zayin Amud Rishon. Amar of Yehuda Amarav Leolam Al Yavi Adam Atzmoli Din Nisayon. Person should never bring himself to test, like we say every day in the Tefillah. Loli Din Nisayon. Shere David Melech Yisrael 
הביא עצמו לידי ניסיון. דוד המלך ברור himself to a ניסיון ונכשל. And unfortunately, he failed the test, he stumbled. אמר לפניו ריבונו של עולם, מפני מה אומרים אלוהי אברהם, אלוהי יצחק ואלוהי יעקב, ואין אומרים אלוהי דוד? דוד was questioning why is it that the avot made it to the amida, אברהם, יצחק ויעקב, and how come David doesn't, uh, doesn't deserve to be also referred to as אלוהי דוד, the fourth leg of the מרכבה? אמר, so God answered, אינו מינסו לי, ואת לא מינסית לי. They were tested. They passed the test. I tested them. You weren't tested yet. אמר לפניו, ריבונו של עולם, בחנני ונשאני. This פסוק. So David Amalek tells God, okay, give me the exam, test me. שנאמר, בחנני אשם ונשאני. אמר, Okay, I'm going to test you a different type of test that I didn't do to the Avot. They didn't know they were being tested originally. The test came suddenly. I'm telling you, not only that you're going to be tested, but where the test is going to be. The test is going to be in immorality, in Irvah. Fine. Miyad vahi le'et ha'erif. It was that night. Vayakum David ma'al meshkavo. So David got up from his bed. Amar of Yehuda, she'afak meshkavo she'layla le'meshkavo she'lyom. So the Gemara says something uh, incredible. David knew he's going to be tested with arayot. So he wanted to break the yitzel arayot. So it says, he went with his wife in the day, which normally a person doesn't go only at night. And therefore, to take his mind away from the Yetzirah, he went with his wife to break his Yetzirah. Because now he knows there's going to be a test. So he has to defend himself from the Yetzirah. So the Pasuk says, Vayakum David ma'al mishkavo shehafak mishkavo shelayla mishkavo shelyom. Vinit'alema memenu halakha. But he forgot a halakha, the Gebarah says. What's the halakha he forgot? Ever katan yesh ba'adam masbi'o ra'ev umar'ibo sabaya. The Gebarah says that when it comes to uh, these inyanim, the more one uh, feeds his desire, the more his desire grows. The more he starves his desire, the desire goes away. Anyway, we continue the Gemara. Vayitalech al gag bet ha-melech. He went onto the roof. Vayar isha rochetzet ma'al ha-gag. And there was a lady that was uh, bathing. Vayisha tovat mare me'od. The Gemara says, the Pasuk says she was very, very pretty. Batsheva ka haifa reshet utehalata. Batsheva her name was. She was bathing under a gigit. She was covered. Uh, she was not revealed. She was sinu'a. But again, the Satan came, the Gemara says, The Satan came in the image of a bird. Patak begira. 
So David saw the bird and he shot an arrow to kill the bird. The arrow ended hitting the barrel and the barrel broke. And then what happened? He saw her. He saw Bacheva. So he went to find out who this lady is. She's Bacheva, the daughter of Ediam. Eshet Uriah Hiti. Vayishlach David Malachim Vayikahaya. So David sent Malachim, Malachim is messengers, to go bring her. Vatavo Elav. Vatishkav Ima, and he was with her. Vihi mitkadeshet mitumata Vatashov el Beta. Vahenu dektiv Bahantal bi Pakanta Laila. That's it. That's the Gemara. So we have an amazing, amazing uh, job ahead of us over here at Botai. David HaMelech Shalom over here has to be tested. And it seems, from what we're reading in the Navi over here, that he did not pass the test. And that's why in the Amidah we don't have Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yisraq, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe David. But we have to know also that David HaMelech was a Sadiq. He was a Navi. Even after the sin, he wrote these Tehillim. So obviously he still had Ruach HaKodesh. So we have to follow uh, what the Hazal tell us regarding the nature of the sin, the magnitude of it. In order that we don't convict David of a crime that he didn't commit. Again, we're not allowed to whitewash the sins as well and say nothing happened, but we have to explain it in its true way, especially when we're dealing with the tzaddikim. Hevedan says, that Rambam learns, that a person who's in the middle, a benoni, he's not a tzaddik, he's not a rasha. When you see him do something, so you don't know what he did. So he's a Benoni guy, he's a middle guy, give him the benefit of the doubt. However, the Rambam writes, if the person is a tzaddik, and you know he's a tzaddik, and he's a bona fide tzaddik, then even if you see him doing something that's wrong, you have an obligation to give him the benefit of the doubt. Which means, uh, uh, that which we say, is only by a Benoni. A rasha, for example, even if you see him doing something good, you can judge him disfavorably. And at Sadiq, even if you see him doing something bad, you see him doing something wrong, the Adakha says you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Whereas a Benoni, if you see him doing something wrong, he's doing something wrong. If you're doing something that you, that you can explain both ways, give him the benefit of the doubt. That's that, that at Sadiq, even if you see him doing something wrong, you have to say, oh, there's something going on there. So clearly, David was at Sadiq. And even though from the Pesukim that we just read, sounds like he went with the Eshet Ish. So we have to explain the details of what happened. So, we have the Sefer over here that I'm using today, Menuhat Shalom, uh, from Rabbi Shalomo Zarka. Originally, this was a, a perush that was written in Arabic. This uh, perush, and recently, or 
However, many years ago, they translated into Lashon HaKodesh, uh, very, very, very nice perush on Sefer Tehillim. So, the Rav here gives us some information from Hazal. There's two basic approaches uh, in this in this sugya. One approach says that Bathsheba was married to a man called Uriah. Now, some say that Uriah was initially a goy. He wasn't Jewish. He was actually from the group of Goliath, the Pilishti. And ultimately, he uh, converted. But the Hazal question if his conversion was good. And therefore, if his conversion wasn't good, so that means his marriage to Bathsheba is not a marriage. And therefore, we don't have to worry about any issues of eshet ish. That's one, that's one approach that Hazal go with. There's another approach that says that Uriah was a soldier in the battlefield, in the wars, and he followed the common practice that soldiers would give their wives divorce papers, getin, before they would go out to war. In the event that they should die during the war and they don't return, so their wives will not be agunot. Hakamim established this takana uh, again so the wives will be able to, to move on. So therefore, he, she did receive one of these conditional getin, and ultimately, he did not return from the war, and retroactively, he was divorced, or she was divorced from the time of the giving of the get. So when David was with her, there was technically no sin, because retroactively, she was divorced, because she did have a get in her hand. So therefore, we cannot convict David of a federal crime of eshet ish, of adultery, because indeed, in truth, she was not married at the time. She was holding a get in her hand that was activated retroactively. So at the time that the act took place, there was no sin in that sense. There's a third approach that I will tell you uh, in this uh, sugya. Bacheva according to this approach, was a yetoma. She was a, uh, an orphan girl. Her father had died. And as a result, her mother or her brother married her off as a minor. She was a young girl, six years old. And the law says that when a girl is married off by her brother or her mother, that marriage is rabbinical. And uh, the girl is able to release herself from such a marriage by going through a process that's called mi'un. In English, we call that refusal. She doesn't need a, a get in the normal sense of a get, that when she comes of age, 
she could come along and say, I understand what my brother did, he married me off to this guy or my mother, but now I decide that I want to refuse. I don't, uh, don't want to stay with this guy anymore. So there's the halachot that surround how a mi'un should be made. And we'll discuss it uh, in a moment. And uh, she regretted that marriage. So therefore, once she regrets the marriage and the mi'un is done, so then she can become permissible. She's not married to Uriah anymore. So however, whatever approach you want to take, there was no sin over here of eshet ish, of, uh, of adultery. Keep in mind, if there was an isur of adultery, so then forget about the sin, David would be forbidden to remain with Bathsheba. Because the halakha says that once somebody commits, goes with the eshet ish, she becomes forbidden to her original husband and to the, to the bo'el, to the new guy. David, after he makes teshuvah for whatever sin that he committed, and after he regrets and the prophet rebukes him, we don't see that David uh, gets rid of Bacheva. What do you mean? How could you make teshuvah on a sin if you don't rectify the sin? On the contrary, not only did David not get rid of Bacheva, but he has children from Bacheva. One of the most notable children we know from Bacheva is clearly the next king of Israel, the wisest man that ever lived, and the builder of the Bayit Rishon. So clearly, it could not have been a case of Ishit Ish. For the reasons that I told you. As a matter of fact, David saw already with Ruach HaKodesh, and the Midrash says that, you know, in the, the angels came in heaven and they started to prosecute. The Duma, one of the the angels of Gehinam came to prosecute against David Melech, and God said, "No, Bathsheba was uh, destined for, the, from, for David Melech from Sheshet Yemei This was his nasib. This was his zivug. And David saw that. Uh, David saw when he saw Bathsheba, he saw that she was suitable for him. We don't have that type of vision. We cannot look at a girl and say, oh, I see that uh, she's my nasib from Sheshet Yemei our uh, perception doesn't work like the perception of David. David could look at a girl and he already sees the chibur of the neshamot. We're so dazzled by every chapter that we read in the Tehillim. So David was uh, very, very, very perceptive. We see what he did in this chapters in Tehillim here. So now the prophet came to him, Natana Navi. We're actually going to learn this when we get to chapter 51 in Tehillim, where it talks about Bebo Elav Natana Navi. When Natana Navi came to David, uh, when he had the, the episode with Bachava. And we know the famous mashal that he gives. He told him, uh, David, I have a question for you. He didn't right away convict him. He told him, I have a question for you. There was a rich man and a poor man that lived next to each other. And the rich man has a big flock, and the poor man, all he has is one little uh, sheep. That's his whole uh, estate, one sheep. And uh, it, to him, it was like a daughter. It was the only thing he had. And one day, the rich man was making a party, and he didn't want to slaughter one of his own sheep, so he went next door and stole the lone sheep of the poor man, and he slaughtered it, and they ate it, they made a party with it. So what's the law? 
What do you do with this rich man? So David HaMelech said that according to my opinion, is Hayab Mita. Because it's not only that he stole, but you stole from a poor man. You have to look at the circumstances. You're a rich man, you have everything. When you steal from a poor man, it's like you steal his soul from him. And at that point, Natan Navi turned to David and said, you're that man. You're the king of Israel. You could, you could take any girl that you want. Poor guy Uriah, he only has this one wife, and you went after her. You took her. So David Amalek right away says, Hatati. And his, his regret was genuine, and the king and the Navi says, God has removed the sin from you, which is interesting that they use the word hatati over here. Hatati sounds like an unintentional sin. Even though the way we look at it, it looks like it was premeditated. So you see again, this was not a sin of mezid, of peshi'ah, of um, a, malign, a, a, a malignant type of sin, with malice. Hatati, there was some uh, misstep here. So he says, Hatati. It was, it was beginning Hatati. It was not a Pashati or Marati. It was not Lachis. It was not in anger. It was not in rebelliousness. And even the Mashal that the Navi uses, I mean, if the Navi wanted to give a proper Mashal, Natana Navi, that is, if he wanted to give a proper parable to what Navi did, shouldn't he have given the real example of uh, that the rich man went and took the wife of the poor man? That's the real mashal, not the sheep. And the explanation is because this really was not eshet ish. So if we could not use that mashal. The mashal that he's giving him is, over here is, this is a sin where technically, according to the halakha, he just has to pay back a sheep. That's, that's the strict halakha. And if he slaughtered it, he probably has to pay back four times, according to, the, <clears throat> according to the Torah law. So where did the king get this law that says, kill him? Where do you see that you kill somebody for stealing? And the explanation is because David and is showing that you have to take the circumstances of who is this? Who's doing it? So that's what Atam was saying. Even though from the law you didn't do anything that's guilty, but you have to take, you're the king. You have to act in a, in a different way. It's, 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 it's sometimes the law, it's okay, it's permissible, but the one that did it is held to a higher, higher standard. So that was what the Navi was telling uh, David. So, nonetheless, ultimately, if we go back to the Pesukim now, we can understand the Pesukim a little better. There is a, uh, according to the approach that says Mi'un, that she was a Yetoma, and her father and brother married her off, and as a result, she was able to make a refusal. So there's a, let's get into the halakha for a second. The halakha says, Rambam brings it down, the Tur brings it down, Siman Kuftun here, that the mima'enet, ena hayibet lofiyah benukahut ba'ala. Interesting. She doesn't have to make mi'un in front of her husband. She doesn't have to make that refusal in front of her husband. She can come alone. 
in front of three people, like a Bedin, and say, Areni Mima'in. That's the opinion of Betelel. But Shammai, however, has a different opinion and says the Mi'un has to be in front of the Baal. She has to actually tell the husband, Ani Mima'in Becha. So based on this, the Rav Minuhat Shalom explains the Pesukim as follows. So she was on top of the... Uh, she was, now, Rabotai, let's just go one more, one more point that I want to say before I go back to the Pesukim. You have to keep in mind also that at a certain point, Uriah, the husband, came back from war. He was in a war. And uh, David actually called him back from the war and he told him, you know, why don't you go home? Go home to your wife. He sent them home. Go home to your wife. This is after David was with her. And she was pregnant. David says, go home. Now for some reason, he did not go home. He didn't listen to the king. Which is very strange. The king tells him the next morning, how come you didn't go home last night? I told you to go to your wife. He said, how could I go with my wife when the people are fighting a war and the Aron is not in its place? He gives an excuse why he didn't go home. David, at that point, sends Uriah out to the battlefield, sends him with a letter. He says, when you get to the battlefield, give this letter to Yoav, who's the general. In the letter it says to Yoav, make sure you put Uriah on the front lines so he gets killed. Actually, he didn't know he was holding a letter that had his death sentence in it. <clears throat> and he gives the letter to Yoav, and Yoav does it. And sure enough, he dies. And he sends a message back to David. Uriah is dead. <coughs> and David says, listen, that's what happens in war. There's casualties. And the question, of course, the Gemara discusses is what was David's legal right, halachic right, to put the Uriah on the front lines? The Gemara concludes that Uriah was considered Mored bin Malchut. He was considered a rebel against the king. Now there's different opinions what made him a rebel exactly. Some explain because he referred to Yoav, which is the general of David, he referred to Yoav as Adoni Yoav. And you don't, you don't refer to, you know, in front of the king, there's nobody Adoni except the king. The fact that he gave Kavod and, and using that title to Yoav in front of the king, that's considered rebellious. That's the way that she learns. Others learn that he didn't listen to the king. The king told him to go, go home to his wife, and he didn't listen. Although the question would be, why did he want him to go home to his wife? Especially that now that he was with her, what was the intention over there? So the uh, Nab says, oh, we're very, very nice. He says, let's go start from the story. She's on the roof. She's bathing. The Pasuk says, Vaisha Tovat Mar'eh. Now, what is this word Tovat Mar'eh? Sometimes you see the Torah uses the word Yifat To'ar. So you have Yifat To'ar and Tovat Mar'eh. What's the difference between them? So the Mifar Shemir explained it that Yifat To'ar means that the girl is pretty. Yifat To'ar, pretty. But Ovira says Tovat Mar'eh. That when David saw her, he saw a good image. Tovat Mar'eh, he's explaining, he saw Ruach HaKodesh. Tovat Mar'eh, which means the Mar'eh that came from her was Tovah. 
Meaning what? He saw that ultimately something good's going to come out of her. He saw that she was his uh, soulmate. She was his uh, nasib, as we say. So therefore, when he, so, so that shows you, even at the time of this sin, that he was getting Ruach HaKodesh, which is usually at a time where a person's involved in sin, usually he doesn't get, uh, you know, Ruach HaKodesh. I shouldn't say usually, we'll definitely not get Ruach HaKodesh. But that he did. It shows you how pure his heart was. So therefore, she was Torah Mar'eh. The, the Mar'eh was Torah that David saw from her. That the Malchut is going to come out of her. And he was right. Ultimately, Shiloh Amelech came out of her. So he sent messengers to go find out. Bring her. Who is she? So the Pasuk comes along and tells us that she was indeed the daughter of Idi'am. Why do I care that she's the daughter of Eliam? The main thing is that she's married. So the Mefarshim is saying because, oh, then the we could find out, oh, Eliam, we know he died, Eliam. So she was a Yetomah. So her marriage was only rabbinical. Ah, oh, so therefore David says the only way to get her out of it will be through Mi'un. And that's where the Pasuk comes along and says that what? According to Bet Shammai, it's got to be done in front of the husband. Okay, fine. Well, we follow Bet Hillel. So that's why he sent messages. What were the messages for? So she'll make mi'un in front of three people. So once she makes the mi'un in front of the three people, she's not married anymore. That's why he sent messengers. And then David was with her. When David was with her, that's considered Kiddushin. And therefore he's married her. So, and that's exactly what happened. She made miun. She got pregnant. She, uh, she told David that she's pregnant now. And now she wants to make sure that a bad name doesn't come on her. People say, hey, how's she pregnant? Who's she pregnant from? What's going on over here? So David Melech was choshesh. That some people are going to say, hey, the mi'un, it wasn't a mi'un. So he wanted to be mahmir. So he told Uriah, go home. What's going to be when he goes home? He's going to see that she's pregnant. Or at least at that point, Bathsheba can make mi'un in front of Uriah. Alibada Bachamai. And therefore, he'll accept the mi'un. Uriah understood this. <laughs> it's an unbelievable scheme. It makes Uriah a terrible guy, this, this, this derech over here. <clears throat> Uriah understood this. And Uriah said, I'm not going home. And therefore, I want to reveal this scandal. And therefore, she's still married. And therefore, David went with her. and So therefore, he, his intention was in order to reveal that David did something wrong. So he says, he asked him, why didn't you go home? I told you to go home last night. He says, no, uh, I didn't feel comfortable to go home to my wife at the time that the people are fighting. So David was suspicious. He says, 
Guy's in war for so many months. He doesn't miss his wife. Normal thing, you go home to your wife. You say hello to your wife. So he understood that Uriah understood what was happening over there. And he wanted to publicize that his wife is pregnant in order to make David look bad. To be Motsi Shemran David. And therefore, the enemies of David will now rise up against him. Another thing they can add to the list. It was from that that David understood that Uriah is Moret B'Malchut. They didn't go home because he wants to re- uh, 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 publicize that she's pregnant and it's from David. These things uh, became public. Or he was going to publicize it, Uriah. He found out about it. So David now says, we'll put it in the hands of God. Put him in the front lines. If he gets killed, so, he deserved it. It was Hayab Mita. And if he gets saved, so, so he didn't actually kill him directly. It's almost as if he put him in, he put him in the hands of God. And the truth of the matter is, right away when he went out to the front lines, he did die. And therefore, everything was clear to him. So that's, uh, that's how he starts the chapter here. The only claim against David is Hanul Hashem maybe. It was done to the eyes of the people. It's like a marit ayin. But it's not a, it's not a federal crime. And David was, was forgiven. But obviously it was not put as part of the Amidah. However, I should point out... <coughs> that God did answer David to a certain degree. Because we only have two berachot, one berachah is Baruch Atta Hashem again Abraham, and the only other berachah is Baruch Atta Hashem again David. So he did get a, a berachah on his name. So he's compared to David Amel, to Abraham Abinu Adav Shalom. So here the Pasuk says, David, Shofteni Hashem ki ani betumi halachti. God, give me the benefit of the doubt. This that I had in Israel with Bathsheba, it was L'Shem Shamayim. The Shekhinah was with me. I was not doing it. It was not out of lust. That's why I said, I wanted to have a Nisayon. So they could say, Elohe David. He says, because I was like Avram Abinu. Avram Abinu was Isha Chesed. David Amalek also is considered Isha Chesed. Just like we say, again Abraham, we say again David. So God elevated him to the level of Abraham to a certain degree. He says, I don't associate with Meteshav, people that speak lies. So the Malbim explains Na'alamim is referring to Anashim Devukim B'Ta'avata Olam Azeh. People that are involved in the Ta'avata Olam Azeh. I guess Na'alamim Milashon Olam. People that are connected to the Olam, connected to the world, worldly matters. I'm not interested, David Amalek, that's not my item. On the contrary, Saneti Kehal Mire'im. I hate Kahal Mire'im. What does it mean, I hate Kahal Mire'im? So Rabbi uh, 
Semter Rafal Hirsch has a nice understanding on what does it mean, Seneti Kehal Mire'im. Kehal Mire'im, he says, is, En Nechara Musari O Havrati Shelo Nerei Akzari Pot Be'enai Aolam Berega Shumet Pashet Bekerem Chogim Lehavim Yoter. Which means, what a singular person won't do, but when there's peer pressure, they join the, they join the group. This is over here, becomes like a mob. And now everybody starts to have groupthink. And everybody starts to behave in a certain manner. Which a guy on his own might not do something, but when he has people behind him and becomes like a movement, they joins. In English, they call that peer pressure. So David Amelik says, I never succumb to peer pressure. If it was a wrong thing to do, even if everybody was mobbing up to do it, I didn't do it. Saneti kehal mireim. I hated when the kahal joined up to do something bad. I didn't, I didn't join them. I didn't, I didn't fall for the peer pressure. I don't sit with the Rishaim. David Melech says, what was his inyan? Now this is very, very significant because in this chapter, David Melech basically is saying, I asked to be tested. But my heart was good. I didn't, uh, I'm not a man that goes after worldly pleasures. I'm not a man that, uh, uh, that is two-faced, that is doing ma'asir zimri, that's going and making znut, and then in public is making himself like he's a sadiq. Not like that. Tamim. This is David's justification. And then he says, It has been kapai. David HaMelech talks about his tahara, his purification. Exactly. David HaMelech says, that I was, it has been a kayon kapai. I am, I am cleansed. So the Mephalashim explained, normally how does a person clean himself? With water. He says, no, my cleansiness is my actions. Been a kayon kapai. My hands are clean from sin. That's how I cleanse, cleanse myself. Not a hygienic cleaning. It has been a kayon kapai. Hashem, which allows me to be next to your Mizbeah. Now it is from this pasuk, incidentally, that we learn the laws of Netilat Yadayim. The Zohar Kadosh on this pasuk, I'll quote it, I have it here. The Zohar Kadosh says on our pasuk, Azahir bin Etilat Yadayim Shaharit Nikra Kadosh. Etilat Yadayim of Shari makes the person Kadosh. Rabbi Shimon Patah. It has been Kayon Kapai Basubibam is Bahaka Dunai. Let Lak Banash be Alma de la Taim Tamad de Motabel Elia. Everybody tastes the, the flavor of death at night. And the bad spirit goes on the person's body when he's sleeping. Once the neshama leaves, there's a vacuum. The tum'ah goes in. The neshama leaves the person. And instead, it's replaced with a... Uh, a bad spirit. When the neshama returns in the morning, that zuhama, that contamination leaves. And there's a, a remnant, there's a trace of the tumah on his fingertips. It leaves to his fingertips in the morning, and therefore there's tumah there. Therefore a person should not put his fingers in his eyes before he makes it like your dime. Begin. Until he washes his hands. Once he washes his hands, 
Oh. And then the Zohar continues and says, V'kudsha berichu ba'el et ha'ka'alon l'Yisrael. And God wants to purify Israel as well. Not only an individual purification, but the general purification. And this is Baruch Hashem, a good siman we have in our Tehilim Rabotai. This Shabbat we read Parashat Para, and the Haftarah we read was in Yehazkel. And the Zohar in this chapter quotes that Pasuk that we read in this week's Haftarah. Vezarakti alehem. So therefore, there's going to be ultimately a great purification, an ultimate purification, that God's going to purify us. And we explained that there's a connection between that pasuk and this chapter. Because if you look at the Haftarah that we read this week, God says that you have become impure Jewish people, like a lady that's a nidah. And we question, why did God compare us to a lady that is a nida? Just say, you're tameh, you're impure. Why like a tumat nida? And we quoted from the Benu Yosef Nehamyan, is that a shot? That he said, because the Jewish people in the times of Yehezkel, which is referring to our generation, because he was prophesizing the Jews at the end of time. They were very religious on the outside. But inside... Their heart was not with them. They would do all the rituals of Judaism, but without kavanah, without intent, without trying to get close to Hashem. The religion was very superficial. The religion was just a, was, was mechanical. It was like a, everybody gets used to it. It's a hag, this is what we do. But they didn't have feeling. So when you look at the people, you say, wow, they're very religious. But it's hollow, it's empty shell. So he says, that's like a tumat nida. Everybody looks at Anida in the street. You can't tell she's Anida. On the outside, she looks pure. But there's only one person that knows that she's impure. That's her husband. God says, on the outside, everybody looks like you're pure. But I'm the husband. I know that you're impure. I know that Tumah is inside of you. And therefore, God says, at the end of time, I'm going to purify you from the Tumah. What's the Tumah? God says, and I'm going to give you Lev Hadash. I'm going to give you a new heart. Because the service is without heart. Therefore, God's have to give you a transplant, a heart transplant, a new, a new heart in order that you'll be genuine. David Amelik is saying in this chapter, I was genuine. I was not a two-faced guy that in public, it looks like a religious guy in private making I'm pure. My covenant was good. It was Lashem Shamayim. Yes, the prophet rebuked me. Right away, I said, for the, for the small sin and by the way, he got punished for it. Two punishments. Number one, the baby that Bathsheba had died. That's the first punishment, as we know. And he had the problem with Avshalom. His son rebelled against him. So he received his punishment. But ultimately, the second son of Bathsheba became the, uh, became the, queen, became the king. And Bathsheba, the queen mother. The queen mother. She would live a, a long life. Clearly, that would not be the reward of an adulteress. And therefore he says, And he mentions in this chapter, He says, My body is pure. David Amalek was a Kadosh. In that chapter that he refers to Bathsheba, he, he brings us the Inyan of the Kiddushah of the body, the Kiddushah of the, of the, of the, of the, of the Tzaddik. The Hatsbin Kayon Kapai. 
So the Malbim's Lashon is beautiful. Any rohetzet kapay b'mayim. I don't wash my hands with water. Kemoshi rohatzi mayadayim minakiro like people do from the sink. Rag b'nekayon in hetz kapay. Nekayon means over here it's, 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 it's spiritually clean. I'm, I'm clean from any stain of sin, from any trace of sin. It's called the that's my, that's my cleanliness. And then the chapter ends. Lashmiya bekol toda. My purpose is to give praise and thanks to God. I saw, brought down, if you look at the Pasuk, Hashem Ahavti Me'on Betecha. Oh, yes, Hashem Ahavti Me'on Betecha. God, as opposed to the Rishaim, I loved to come to your house. I didn't come to your house because of a minhag, or because of peer pressure, or because of social pressure. I don't come to synagogue. I have to be on. I come because I genuinely love it. Don't let me uh, uh, be with the sinners. And those people that are murderers. I should be the emzima. The Malbim says beautiful over here. In their right hand, they have zima, they have immorality. Vimina malashoham. Sorry. In their left hand, they have zima, they have the sins. But viminam, in their right hand, that everybody sees, malashoham, they have bribery, which means they think they could bribe the people with their good actions. But they're two faced. But nobody's watching, they have all their sins that they're committing. I should be them zima. Vimina malashoham. But they think they could bribe the people and God with all their good deeds. God, I'm not two-faced. Have mercy and save me from my enemies. My legs always stood in the right way. Yashar, I was always Yashar. And I will praise you in public. I saw a beautiful explanation from Rabbi Ben Sion Yadler on this last Pasuk. The rabbi said that one time he broke his leg. And uh, of course that... Uh, cast it up and, you know, help him out. And finally, they put him in a, uh, a, a rehab and he got better. And at the end, he made a se'udah. He made a se'udah when he got better. So he said, Abotai, the se'udah is se'udah toda'ah. What's se'udah toda'ah? This leg got better. So, but in truth, this se'udah was long overdue. I told him it's long overdue. You just broke your leg. Why is it long overdue? He said, how come I didn't make a se'udah when I had my legs before it broke? Why do you have to wait to lose it to get it back? I have it. And therefore he said, we learned that from the pasuk. Ragli amida b'mishor. That when my leg is still working, that I can walk straight. Hashem. I should come in public and take Hashem. You shouldn't have to wait until the leg broke. And then you have Sudat uh, Even when you have your health and everything's good, that already is a time to go in public 
and praise Hashem. Nonetheless, Rabotai, you see clearly what the theme of this, uh, of this chapter is. David HaMelech justifying his actions, and we see God clearly accepted them. Uh, this uh, chapter has brought down Hasharui B'Sakanat Derachim So it's brought down in the Zohar Kadosh that this chapter is good to be said if somebody finds himself uh, on the road or is on a boat, B'Sakana, or is in prison, in captivity. Uh, who knows, maybe you have today these ladies that are in captivity in marriages that that became the new discussion of the community. Uh, which is clearly a very important discussion. Uh, they're being captive to a certain degree, agunot and stuff like that. And obviously it happens both ways. Sometimes men are held uh, captive. It happens both ways. So those people that are in captive uh, in life, not necessarily in a jail, or they can be captive to themselves in addiction, in drugs and things like that, that they're, they're being held uh, you know, by a captive, an invisible one. So these chapters, chapter 26... Uh, the, the book spring down is definitely a um, a, pers- a chapter that uh, God uh, listens and God ultimately will uh, will release them. Okay, about time. We'll stop. Okay. <laughs>